Hello, everyone, and welcome to Tap Calf Transmissions, the only Star Wars podcast that has such a high concentration of Canadian content that the CBC is allowed to air us. I am your host, as usual, Corey. Joining me, as usual, is my co-host, Justin Eckhart's Ladder. How are you doing, Justin? Doing great. Got some big news, guys, um, but we'll get to that in a minute. All right, and bringing up the Canadian content, we have our other Canadian friend, Joining us all the way from Kings and Generals on the history side of YouTube, return guest for fourth, third appearance? I, I don't know. Beating out Alex three. and Mark. Uh, we have yeah. Ilkin. How are you doing tonight, Ilkin? Uh, I was doing well until I realized that we have a Sith among us. A Sith? Sith? Yeah. A Sith Did Lord. You know no. I don't know if he's a Lord. He looks more <laughs> like an apprentice, to be honest. Oh, that's... One of but, us is going to yeah. be insulted by uh, this. He, yeah, he said that he loves darkness, so immediately my alarm clocks went off. Okay. And I don't know if we can start the podcast, to be honest. Do we have special guests Lomi, Plo, and Welk here or something? No, yeah. I, think, I think it's you, Corey. Can you, like, uh, <laughs> admit that you said that? It's in our conversation. I can share the screen. I think you're just... Uh... I think you're just reading too much into my lighting being bad in my studio thing. And <laughs> I I did say that darkness helps me sleep. And <laughs> I, I don't think that's a hot take. I think that's a pretty universal thing. I think if you even go look at episode uh, two or three, when Yoda's talking to Anakin, dark room. Even Yoda likes it. Exactly. Episode three, you are dealing in absolutes. You are saying that darkness helps you sleep, which is... I only sleep in VR chat. <laughs> in Meta, you have legs, right? Yeah, the Metaverse. I, <laughs> I, I search on Facebook, comfy bed on the Facebook marketplace, and then I, against other people's wishes, sleep in their beds that are for sale. In VR, in VR, and it's not weird. I can only sleep if it's low poly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. In video game, right. All right, but, so... Uh, my big news. So okay. I'm still playing Star Wars Galaxy of Heroes. Um... I did pay money when I started to 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 buy the the fleet pa the so big you're pack. locked in. I'm locked in, right? Sunk cost There's fallacy. no such thing as a no such thing as a sunk cost. Um, but I'm locked in. I haven't been spending money since, but I'm in such a good guild that I got number one in my fleet shard, which is a big deal. Like it's uh, every day you get ranked in your shard for like it's like a competitive thing, and there's like ten thousand people I think, and I was number one. How did you get into a good uh, guild? Uh, did they like realize that it's you? Yes. Yeah. I got I got Arnold, who's like the biggest streamer, to get yeah. me in his like not the main guild because like to be in that guild you got to I'm in the feeder guild for his main guild and it's still sick. It, it's unreal. So you're yeah. basically in the AHL. Okay. Uh, yeah. Exactly. I'm in the AHL. I'm like a sec. I'm like a fourth line grinder, but I'm still getting my AHL paycheck. When the revolution comes to Star Wars: Galaxy of Heroes, Ek, you will be first on the guillotine, star fucking your way into the top ranks. <laughs> I've got the malevolence, the subjugator. Nobody else has it. That's like the one you can only get from being in a really good guild because you use your guild tokens to buy it. Everyone else is using star destroyers and stuff. I got the subjugator. Fucking game over, boys. That doesn't so like that. Just makes me not want to play that game. But I'm beating somebody who spent like probably the guy who's number one. Usually he's got like ships that I am probably like three years away from having two years away from having the guy must have spent six figures and I beat his ass for free. So, 
All right. Well, that's great. Yeah, we've also seen the uh, example of a nepotism in Star Wars coming into. So. <laughs> that's yeah, true. We're, we're getting a nice preview of CN Sov staffing apparently the entire Defense Department with just Celestians everywhere, I guess. Yep. Sov gets a bad rap in this book, but this book that we're going to be talking about today is Star by Star uh, by Troy Denning. It, it kind of changes the tone of the expanded universe for the rest of its run. But mm. before we get to that, any other Star Wars news we want to cover? Well, I want to get Ilkin's quick thoughts on Andor. Maybe I'd say no spoilers for the most recent episode, but just quick thoughts, Ilkin. Uh, so here are my thoughts. Uh, I love my wife dearly, but the fact that she's not allowing me to watch it without her is really killing the mood in the, in the house. <laughs> so I haven't watched any of it yet. I'm really sorry about that. I know. Uh, oh, you haven't watched any of it? Yeah. Fake Star Wars fan. Fuck. I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm the one who shipped Ray and uh, uh, Kylo. I'm, I'm the bad guy, yes, of yet. <laughs> I was the first to ship them, basically, so it's on me. You were the first to ship them? Well, I assume. <laughs> 2018. <laughs> <laughs> I I think if we if we just look through everyone's Twitter records, we can probably prove that that's not true. Yeah, but you are not going to do that. So yeah, uh, regardless, <laughs> I haven't I haven't watched any. I'm really sorry about that. So if you guys want to talk about it, so no, go great ahead. Great guest, great guest, great we'll stuff. Have, no, we'll have good. a full episode about it next week. We'll be talking about Andor episode six and seven. We really should have planned that out better. So we'd be doing each arc by arc. We didn't do it that mm, way. Everyone can get over it. Well, we didn't yeah. know when we set up the schedule that it would be like three episode sets. Is it true that it's the best Star Wars show ever? I I think so. Well, there's Justin a good argument. Still thinks yeah. Mando is better. Well, I think uh, to me, they both hit completely different things, uh, completely different parts of my brain. Okay, so I, sure, I, you can't compare apples and oranges, but I still like oranges better than apples. Get the fuck over it. Okay. Yeah. That's fair, but I like apples and oranges, and I can't choose which one I like more. Some people can, I can't, yeah, and that's true. I'm, I'm trying like to say that in a tone. Bananas, I'll put bananas a little lower, but I'm trying to say it in a tone that'll lure you into your Twitter state of mind for all the arguments you've gotten <laughs> into it this week. All right, I, I want to get into that real quick, real quick, real quick, real quick. Quick, quick question, just as to set the mood: uh, Is it correct that Mandalorian is uh, heavier on Star Wars, and Andor is like uh, you can set it up? anywhere in any universe at, and it will be still good. There's more aliens in Mandalorian, I think, is what that comes down to. Okay, less human supremacist. Okay, but uh, in terms of like it's uh, style voiciness, uh, what I read on Twitter at least, it's like uh, less style voice than uh, Mandalorian, mostly because of the whole uh, no Easter eggs debacle. Yeah, I don't know. I, I like Mando season one didn't really have that many Easter eggs. Like certain, some episodes, did, like the Jawa episode, did where they uh, where he gets the egg. But I mean, like I, I think that could have been a like just like how Mando season one could have been a Western Andor could have been a spy. But like Andor needs to have a big like Imperial enemy to work. I mean, I guess you could have it like against the British or against whoever. But I don't know. I like I I. I would hesitate to say that it's, you know, not well, Star the queen, Wars. The queen dies and you are now against British, eh? Immediately. <laughs> I, I called the died. queen a Nazi. Yeah, we have that. We got, a, we got yeah, our, a, our worst there. review. Yeah. Were you there for that one? Okay. I don't, yeah. Was that while well, he was on it? I don't think so. That was on the Kalyan trilogy. I think I'm, I'm a bad uh, influence on you guys in general. Or maybe you owe me. I don't know. 
<laughs> yeah, I, I think it's kind of like uh, we make each other worse. So, I mean, the I think the Easter egg thing is a bit overblown because like Andor has off and on a ton of Easter eggs. I think the most recent episode didn't have much in it, but I think the tone of the show is still very Star Wars. I think the universe yeah. is still like it's. You could you could take Andor and set it somewhere else with the main story beats, but I think that's going to be true of any reasonable story. Uh, like like Justin was saying, you could do that with the Mandalorian as yeah. well. It's just like the Western situation of it. No one would be thinking, oh, that's a baby Yoda if it was in some other thing. But yeah, you'd have and to set like, up why the aging is weird a bit more. I'm going to ask what would be the real world uh, counterpart of baby Yoda, but that might lead to some racism. So let's. I think it's that. Benjamin. Like. People were okay with Benjamin Button, and he, I guess like the the aging situation there would look similar. I I was okay with that. It was very creepy. <laughs> okay, never mind. Yeah, don't speak. Don't speak for us on Benjamin Button. Um, I for me like Andor has a lot of the things about Star Wars. Like one thing I really like about Andor that the original Star Wars does so well is like having really lively sets and having these fun environments that are alien enough to be different. Like walking down a street in a normal movie is not always super interesting, but in Andor it is because there's all these uniquely Star Wars things. Um, I feel like it was a case for Rogue One too. Yeah. Especially yeah. when you compare like Rogue One and uh, like prequel t- uh, trilogy. Uh, Rogue One was much more grounded and I'm not even talking about the uh, topic or the uh, atmosphere, but more of a like... Uh, cinematically it was more grounded and dirty you know right yeah no totally i i think honestly if you imagine rogue one without the death star it's a pretty good comparison um yeah but okay i want to talk about this little thing because it it has been bothering me and i've been talking about it a lot and ilkin alluded to it so there is an individual on twitter i'm not going to say their name because i don't really know who they are and i don't have anything against them they tweeted out something pretty innocuous saying that that um Andor makes all other Star Wars shows look bad. Or not 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 actually no, they didn't say that. They said Andor is dunking on all other Star Wars shows. Which I actually I don't really have a problem with that comment. What I had a problem with is my friend Kyle Katarn, who's a really nice guy. He's a Star Wars reactor and you can find him on Twitter on YouTube. Um he said I get you're excited about the show and but like shut the fuck up. Like you don't need to always be comparing one to another which I also think is fair. My problem is this guy who got, you know, a thousand people agreeing, like 3,000, 4,000 people agreeing with all positive comments, took this one comment from my friend Kyle. And to clarify, Kyle didn't actually say shut the fuck up. I think he might have actually said oh, shut did he? the fuck up. Okay, yeah. then it, it is a bit more aggressive than I thought it was. <laughs> yeah, 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 totally, totally. I'm not really going to defend what Kyle said because I, I don't agree with that, which is... But anyway... um he took that one comment and made it seem like there was this huge backlash against what he said. It's like, it's been two people just relax. It's not a big deal. And like, like I, I commented, like, are we living in a world where Mando doesn't exist? And he like fucking immediately responded. So it's like just my general advice. And I, I've had to take this myself. Sometimes when you have something, a, a take that goes really viral or that a lot of people agree with, if you have 10,000 people seeing your post and if you have 3000 likes, it's more like a hundred thousand there's going to be a few that disagree with you. Just move on. Fucking take a breather. Yeah, don't talk but, about it on your podcast the next week. This interesting yeah. thing happened like a few days ago. Like, it's not interesting, but it's like very similar. Uh, someone mm-hmm. on Reddit had a comment saying that uh, thumbs up 
emoji kind of triggers them. Yeah, I uh, saw that. Yeah, and basically, like, big, uh, mostly right-wing media immediately, like, Gen Z cancelled hostile thumbs-up emoji. And then, like, I saw that, yeah. Dude, it's just one comment on the one thread on Reddit. Oh, like, that drives me fucking crazy. I've seen yeah, that, too. Like... Well, <laughs> it's like the the thing with the uh, angry feminist or whatever. Like, her face gets used on every, like, every right-wing grifter video for the video? last four years. You watch the video. Yeah. She, it, she just has an expressive face. She doesn't even, <laughs> she's not even as angry as the dude that <laughs> she's shutting down. Yeah. But that's been six years of like the griftiest All posts life. made out of that one person. Yeah, I, I saw, I forget who did a video on that, but it was basically like pointing out that there's a whole, you know, it's like, it, that's like what Fox News will basically do. They'll, they'll, there'll be like something that's, that's pretty, you know, standard or, or like pretty normal. And then they'll find one fucking comment. And anytime there's, you know, 10,000 comments on something, there's always going to be one person that says something. That's crazy. And then it makes and then you just say people are saying or Gen yeah. Z is saying or liberals are saying it's just like, come well, on. when I was in university, what I would usually do if I couldn't find a way to support an argument in a paper is I mm. would go to my roommate and I'd say, like, hey, can you say this? Get them to repeat it back to me. And then I could say in my paper, some people say and then it, it's, it becomes a valid point. So, again, uh, your dark influence. Uh, can be seen in everything that's happening in the world. So, uh, yeah. Yes. Yeah, you're the one. I, I am a Seth, yes. You are the one behind the process, so, yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Should we move on, then, to star by star and technically recovery? Yeah, yeah. I'll admit, I didn't, uh, I didn't really read recovery, but, yeah. Did you read recovery, Elkin? Because... At some point, like, 10 years ago, but I didn't okay. know that we are going to discuss it, too. So we're technically not. Uh, we actually did get an email about this where I, I'm not sure if it's in the paper version of the book as well, but my ebook, and I think Justin's as well, presents mm-hmm. the short story recovery as a prologue to the book. It is technically a short story that's not like directly tied to the plot going on here. Uh, and the email we got from Felicia was asking where it takes place because uh, actually... It's set two books before Star by Star. It's set before the Edge of Victory duology and after Balance Point. It's about the immediate aftermath of Duro. And then Elysia is kind of in a similar situation with Destiny's Way, but Elysia is actually set in the middle of Destiny's Way. So it's less of a problem for that. But yeah, so there's a 100-page short story that I read. I guess uh, you guys... I read about that half of. We don't really need to talk about it too much. It's basically just the introduction of Sabbath Sebatine and the Wild Knights. Sabbath's not really in it that much, uh, but it kind of shows how they got to the Jedi Order. Sabbath's a big character for the rest of the EU's run, See, but mm-hmm. just they were off in hut space being trained by a former student of Luke. And that's kind of the important part for it. I was thinking that Sabbath was um was introduced when Barab was being taken by the Vong. Maybe that's in a different book. That's or, that's later on. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I think it's later when Barab is. Maybe that's because the last time I read New Jedi Order, it was the uh, the audiobooks, and Saba probably wasn't even in this fucking book in the audiobook version. So, yeah. yeah, there's. We did get another email saying the audiobook version was way too short. I've never listened to the audiobook version. Yeah, I, I assume you have, and it's 
So you guys are more versed in this. Uh, you guys have better contacts. Is there a reason they don't release like uh, longer versions of the audiobooks? Yeah. So the reason is honestly because when these came out, they were on cassette, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and three hours was probably two sides of a cassette tape. Um, and they just haven't got around to to re-recording them. That's kind of what they're doing now with some of the Star Wars Legends books, like the X-Wing series, the first four books they've now done full unabridged audiobooks for. Um, you can actually excuse me, find... Um, <coughs> I'm, dying, I'm dying in this fucked up country-ass town. You can find um, ones they did for uh, blind people. Uh, they don't have the same special effects or sound effects. I got a fucking um, thud bug in my throat. But yeah, I don't know why they haven't done it more aggressively. Okay, now that uh, Cody stopped using uh, force chuck on you... Uh... Thanks. Jesus. <laughs> well, apparently I use force choke on my bitrate as well, because I think the stream dropped the entire time you were coughing there. Oh, good. Uh, so no one missed anything. Okay. Depending on how they uh, like Egg, they might be missing something. Okay. <laughs> but I, I think uh, I think they've said they're going to be trying to release pretty much all of the older books in the like larger print format. So the same kind of form factor that's being done for the Essential Legends collection. I don't know if that means they'll also be doing more of the mm, audiobooks. I didn't see that. But I think all of the audiobooks, or rather, all of the Essential Legends collections have had unabridged audiobooks done for them, right? Or is it just a few of them, like the X-Wing ones? Uh, Yeah, most of them, I believe, yeah. Yeah. I don't know they committed to doing that many books, though, because I remember Matt Martin was asked about it, and he was like, well, if we do all of them, it's not going to be essential, well, is no, it? That, so it... It's not that they're doing all of them in the Essential Legends collection. Like what I, yeah. the information I got from it was, uh, I asked whether when they do them, they're gonna be, uh, like, does it have to be the whole series that gets done if something's oh, yeah. viable? Right. Uh, and because like, could we get Trader as part of the Essential Legends collection without getting the whole NJO? Right. And I got the kind of passive aggressive response, though that that did mention. That All right, that was from, that was probably from Del Rey editor Joe, wasn't it? Uh, yeah. But he hates you because of I, the I, whole uh, sardonic thing? Probably. I think the guy's just a... Whatever. <laughs> I, okay, let's let's keep our early access, please. I don't have one. I, I wish to get one, so let's... <laughs> <laughs> oh, he's got nothing to do with that, so... <laughs> okay, so... Uh, <laughs> whatever. Uh, jokes aside, uh, do you think there are plans to like release uh, the... Legends as a more coherent storyline, I guess, like a one long uh, timeline of books, more edited down. Uh, I don't think more... any editing. I think it's just like yeah, new no, editions of existing so. books that are more likely. Okay. Like the next print run of each book is probably going to involve, uh, or not next print run, but like the the future of those printed books. The next edition is probably going to involve. Uh, the same form factor that the Essential Legends collection has, even if not mm-hmm. necessarily the art style of Essential Legends collection or even necessarily new art. Uh, they haven't said anything about what the plans there would be, but uh, it, it seems like every Legends book will at least come in that size, which isn't yeah. a, isn't really a, a huge breaking news situation, but it, it's something. Yeah. Yeah, I'll buy most of them. I guess uh, <laughs> they look they look cool. They do look nice. I don't like the covers as much, but 
let's uh, let's let's talk about the book. So, Corey, this was your first time reading this and rereading this in how long? Uh, like a six year months. or so? Six months? Okay. What about you, Ilkin? So, our listeners don't know that, but uh, you guys actually changed the date on me three times. <laughs> so this is it really like, that many times? This is, yeah, this is the third time I have been reading it in the last three months. So, thank you, Corey. That I don't know is why, not my fault. I don't know why you wanted me to hate this one, but okay. Uh, well, <laughs> the, I, the other times that I gave you dates, it, I did say they were tentative. And they were at least several weeks away, so I don't know why you were reading it that far in advance. The last date I did give you was the, what, 6th or 7th? I don't know why you'd need to reread it since then. That I'm would dumb. Be... I'm really dumb. I need to reread it. <laughs> so, yeah, book. Uh, you are correct that the tone changes completely. And uh, I feel like... Uh, I have read somewhere that it was deliberate idea to uh, make it as dark as possible. And the events in this one kind of drive the events of the future, like 50 million books mm-hmm. afterwards. So uh, I guess there was at this point already some kind of understanding that uh, what will happen with Jason, etc. Yeah, I-, I don't know if Jason's fate was necessarily said, and I don't know that they necessarily 100% decided that Jason would be a Sith before Betrayal, uh, or before Legacy of the Force, because Jason was originally supposed to die until this happened, Uh, but I don't know when they decided that Anakin would die instead, uh, whether Jason would go dark side, because... There was, there's definitely the the retcon of like Vergier was not originally supposed to be a Sith, but I don't think you can make the argument that she wasn't doing a lot of really fucked up shit to Jason. So there was at least some kind of exploration of that that must have been planned. Like you can't go through what Jason does in this and in Traitor without some kind of lasting effects. But originally he was just supposed to be some like force mystic off doing his own weird stuff on his own. Mm-hmm. And then that turned into him being like, no, he's going dark side now. Yeah. Jaina seems much more likely to go dark side in this one. Is it this one or the next one where she basically becomes like a, a great Jedi, at least is it word? Well, in this one, she's like force shocking some Vong at the very end. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Like, yeah. We do have even kind of like, why are you doing that? <laughs> I mean, Dark Journey is pretty explicit on, like, Jaina's dark side right now, but she gets better. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, nothing some love with older men won't fix. <laughs> yeah, the, the, the NJO is full of just weird Jaina romances. Like, Jag is the only one that's close to reasonable, and it's not, it's not the best, but at least it's normal. But mm-hmm. then you have, like, Kip and... The worst of them is I sold her in Dark Journey, oh, yeah. where yeah. we'll get to that next time, I think. But I, I love it. I love the line. Basically, I couldn't marry your mother, so I'm going to marry you. And like, okay, it's like that's like Twilight. Remember? Do you guys ever watch the movies? The the wolf. He like imprints on the kid. Yeah. I I dated a girl, and that was her comfort movie. I must have watched times. Okay, now I'm uncomfortable with dating. <laughs> well. But I, I guess I'll give a, a quick synopsis of what happens in the book. It, it's a very long book, but it's probably easy to summarize as... Uh, very the, long. The Vong have turned the Voxen, which I've complained about Talon Card's part in, or turned the Vornsker, 
into a Jedi hunting monster called the Voxen that they're breeding over Merkir. Uh, it took a lot of Jedi resources to figure out that the Voxen would be made over Merkir. But uh, so there's a Jedi strike team that includes uh, all the solo kids, all their friends from young Jedi Knights uh, going to hunt them down over Merkir. They end up losing Anakin in that, along with a bunch of other characters that are basically red shirts set up for the adventure. Uh, but including uh, uh, Rainer Thule's new gal after he lost uh, Lusa the same novel. We'll, we'll, we'll get there. Don't worry. We'll get to Lusa. Fuck, man. Most of the conversation is going to be I don't even know Lusa, if we got to see any boobs before he died. It was kind of ambiguous. <laughs> right? We had seen some... Uh... Yeah, some fuck stuff, I guess, later. So that's yeah, fine. I don't think... If you're going to live with the Killix, I don't think there's any risk that he wasn't no, incredibly but I mean, in sexually this... active before dying. Yeah, but in, but that's when he's all burned up and stuff, like... Okay, well, that's rude. But on the other yeah, side of the galaxy, rude, this is where Coruscant gets taken by the Yuuzhan Vong in a pretty brutal battle where they... Yeah throw a bunch of refugee ships at the shields in order to break the shields open. And this is also, it feels like where the Yuuzhan Vong lose because this entire book, they're accomplishing technically their strategic objectives, but they're taking so many losses that yeah. like, like they lose an entire fleet at the battle of the, is it the, the, the what is it? The, um, is that Bantha? black Bantha nebula? That they're after? Black Bantha. Yeah. They right? lose, they lose like an entire massive fleet of like, mm -hmm. I think they say like a thousand ships or something. Yeah. At the at at that battle, um, and then they lose a lot at Coruscant. Like mm -hmm. that's it seems like it's most of their ships at Coruscant in the New Republic is it retreating, but like it seems like they're killing like ten ships for every one they lose because the Vong are just throwing themselves against the shield. They're throwing themselves against the like they've got in on when they're attacking Coruscant, they've um they've got um these uh these guns like on the top of the towers and they're shooting down like thousands of drop ships. And then the very end, um, uh, Borsk failure takes a 25,000 Yuuzhan Vong warriors. Yeah. So. The... He does one good thing in his life. Yeah. I thought it was okay. This book, but yeah. So yeah, there was like a, a caricature moment at the end, uh, where Han and Leia are talking to him or is it Han or Leia when he's talking to Luke? But either way, they're talking about how, oh, Coruscant's going to fall. And he says, that can't be allowed to happen. If Coruscant falls, then my government falls. Yeah, And I felt like way. that was a bit too much of a, like, I felt yeah. like that was a bit caricature -y rather than how he would. It is, really but think. at the same time, it shows uh, what New Republic has become in a way. Uh, like, its roots from the Rebel Alliance, where they had to change their base, like, every five minutes. Yeah, and now they're basically like, okay, this is my, I'm going to save Moscow, and if it mm. burns, uh, it burns something like that. Yeah, uh, like, and in the very next book, I feel like uh, we start seeing uh, the Republic returning to its roots, mm -hmm. and that's where it starts winning again, more or less. Yeah, it's it's kind of tough because I actually thought that for most of this book. Failure was pretty reasonable and fairly conciliatory, I guess. It, where it's really a lot of the other people in the government, including Vicky Shesh, who's like obviously double agent, who are kind of fucking people over. Um, it's just like he he can't like he he seems to want to help the Jedi. Now, obviously, some of that is from political motivations, 
But like he does at the end even seem regretful that Anakin died. Um, you know, so I have some so it's a bit weird for me the way some of it gets laid out where Borsk is presented as doing a lot of the right thing here, but it's also mm-hmm. made entirely clear that like Borsk, even though he's being the reasonable one in the Senate right now, is only doing it because of the political gain rather yeah. than because he thinks he's doing the right thing for the mm-hmm. right reasons. And the extent to which uh Star by Star in particular goes to kind of nail that home rather than presenting it as people are scared and they're not willing to do the right thing, or there are some corrupt senators in the Senate. Like there's a really big condemnation of almost the entire system. And yeah. the way that Troy Denning writes in particular, it almost always reads as like authoritarianism apologia where yep. in order to do the right thing, it has to be these strong leaders mm-hmm. that are going against any kind of democratic institutions. And you can say, oh, well, the New Republic Senate was corrupt at this point. But someone wrote the New Republic Senate as being that corrupt. And someone wrote those like strongman leaders as coming to take the reins and yeah. doing what they're presenting as the right thing and how any kind of conciliatory action or any kind of action that would have been. Uh, being... Yeah, it's because like even Leia's losing faith. Like Leia yeah. refuses to to go and deal with the Senate at all. Like she won't even talk to the Senate by the end of the book. Yeah. Uh, so you're right. Yeah. If we are talking about the tendencies of uh, Troy Denning, um, <laughs> I'm just trying to put it uh, as politically correct as possible. Uh, do you feel like his um, Jedi portrayal is a bit of a, like, um, I guess, superhero? Uh, yeah, definitely <laughs> a bit. I mean, like, we get that from both J- Jaina and Anakin in this, where they both have, like, their... And that's actually something I noticed. One of the weaknesses of this book, in my opinion, is the the quality of the vong even even it's it's interesting because the voxen are a great example where at the beginning of the book a single voxen is like a fucking massive deal kills two jedi like it's in gruesome ways and by the end individual jedi are gunning down multiple of them same with the vong you have individual uh jedi killing 30 vong just with blasters when like in the in the The first first novel luke can't kill one uh immediately he just he takes like Minutes yeah. of like dueling, etc., etc. Exactly. Oh, sorry, my Mara, obviously not. Luke. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, I it, that was a bit weird. I, I like. I think you know, having the all-out action works in some in some cases, and I think even Anakin going on a sort of last stand, uh, unifying force type of thing, or one with the force type of thing, is fine. But there is a bit too much of that, and I think that ends up leaving the book a little bloated too. Like. I don't think this book needed to be 600 pages, 400 or 450. I can see, but I think they probably could have cut down on some of the action a little bit and made it a bit more readable by they, I mean, Troy Denning yeah. and his editors. Uh, in general, what I felt reading, reading the book is it, uh, it's like the closest Star Wars book that is to a video game. Mm. I was actually thinking that the whole time, how, how, this felt a lot like Halo at a lot of points, yeah. especially the end where the like there's like a like it's always a dropship's coming in, dropping them off. And I just I was like, this feels like Halo to me. 
Yeah, I, I don't know if it's the closest it's been to a video game because we have like I think Darth Bane is or the Bane novels are yeah. well, yeah. just like so kotori. But yeah. I definitely I definitely agree with like the sentiment there where a lot of the Merkir stuff ends up being it's like semi repetitive action of like, yeah, you're going through high charity and it's a lot like there. Yeah, it's a lot like the Halo novel, The Flood, but that book i think is is well it's not better but it's the action is written better um because like i i did find myself i and i'm, I'm not saying I, I didn't enjoy this book either i really enjoyed this book um but the length was an issue and i did find myself for the action scenes kind of just like surface reading some of them you know what i mean because there's so many of them on uh on Mercure. so i think the the biggest thing so I, I largely enjoy how a lot of the relationships were handled through the Mercure mission. I thought like yeah, the emotional too. impact on all the characters was really good, but yep. not really good. Obviously, it was incredibly negative, but like I thought it was handled really well. And uh, the the one kind of takeaway from that for me is there's a very clear kind of like man main character situation that's visible in universe when Troy Danning is writing. So it's mm. not just that there, uh, that there are those characters being better at everything. It's that those characters are inherently more valuable, and yeah. it's showing in how the uh, like valuable to the people there, and it's showing in how they're reacting to the injuries and deaths that are happening in the strike team, where mm. like the way that Tesser is reacting to the deaths Losing of Bella and Krasov yeah. is still taking a backseat to Tessar compared to how he's reacting to Anakin yeah. being injured. Yeah. And it's like it, it it's fitting into I think what you were saying with the superhero or alluding to with the superhero stuff. Well, you know what I mean, right? Yes. Uh, it's like the entire idea of uh I again I don't want to use the word fascism, but like uh you kind of alluded it with the whole republic situation. So the idea that uh, one man in the streets, yeah, Anakin, man Anakin can solve uh, every issue, basically, more or less. Mm -hmm. Obviously, he dies, but like even his death uh, basically turns the tide of the war, more or less. I don't have as much of a problem with it being like a, such a narrative turning point. It's just if there wasn't like if the reactions of the characters to the events was a bit more balance to what their perspective really would have been then that would that would have probably been enough for me but like i can understand jason and jana's reaction being framed that way i can understand mm -hmm. uh like panel cause reaction being that way but like tessar can get a bit of a pass for like him and saba their reactions get portrayed as less intense than spooky Luke's lizards because they're spooky lizards but mm. then you have Tessar also reacting to Anakin a kind of similar way. So that kind of detracts from how his handling is with Bella and Krasov. But then you also have like the stuff with uh, Errol. Not Errol. I think it, that's her name. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah, no, you're right. And it's, it's kind of interesting because the book starts off with... Um, uh, what's her name? Um, Alima Rar, Alima, and yeah. she's not she's not a main character yet, although she's Troy Denning's favorite. I actually really like the scene between her and her sister, mm -hmm. 
where her sister gets, it's very brutal. Like she's trying to save her sister and the, 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 I think it's the spit is like going through her hands and stuff like that. Very brutal start to the book as this book kind of is overall. Um, but you're right. And then it kind of, I think it loses some of that. And it, it is a bit of a shame too, because I thought he wrote, I, when I thought when Troy Denning handled, for example, like I'm thinking, I mean, we just read young Jedi Knight, So they're the ones I'm thinking of the most. Like I thought he did a good job with the characters. Um, like he has Tenel Ka, uh, is like a, a point where Tenel Ka is telling a joke to Jason, and mm-hmm. it's like kind of exactly what, like it would have been in those books where Jason's like, "You're not supposed to tell jokes. That's my thing," and she's kind of bad at it. Um, <clears throat> but then on other occasions, you know, it's just kind of lost. To Anakin has had ten stab wounds and has got sleeking and yeah. Do you think it's like a tone problem that it's uneven? I, I, I don't know. I, I honestly think that the mission. I, I think my main problem is the idea of a suicide mission that you have to send the the kids off to do is compelling, um, especially where there are there are these kids that, especially in Jason and Jaina, and Anakin's case, you know, we've we love after all these books. I think that's kind of compelling, but I, I think the actual mission itself falls a little bit flat where like logically I, d- I don't think it necessarily makes sense. And I just think it is too much going through this kind of nondescript Yuzhan Vong thing for it to really kind of work. I, I have kind of have a problem with Anakin's, um, I guess earning it. Mm-hmm. Um, basically before this one, uh, we more or less, uh, ignore Anakin. Uh, mm-hmm. He has a Except moment. trilogy. Yeah, he has. He has a moment uh, with Mara on. Uh, was it Datamir? His early. When they're on Dantooine. Yeah, on Dantooine. Sorry, on Dantooine. And uh, the message there is basically that sometimes you need to let go and not yeah. like use force. Sometimes you need to work with magic, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And that's a good message. That's an interesting message. But this one kind of goes a completely different direction in my opinion so in execution i agree with you but i think in planning it was probably a bit more clear especially when they decided the uh the fate swap between jason and anakin like i think initially it was probably going to be a situation where jason dies and that really puts the the halt on how Anakin handles things rashly and recklessly, and then he can go on to be a calmer leader of the Jedi Order in the future, and everyone's happily living. But when they decided that Anakin would die, it was probably meant to be a situation, and I can see how it would work this way in the storyboarding, of like, okay, they go on this mission, Anakin's still kind of struggling with those elements, and it's like Jason and Jaina even kind of say it afterwards that it's Anakin's recklessness, Anakin's need to do everything himself to prove himself that costs him. And even some of the dialogue with Jaina saying like, if you don't go and rest, you're going to get more of us killed because we're going to have to protect you. And I think there's elements of it that still come through, but the way that Denning portrays it is that ultimately when Anakin's doing these things, he's doing the right thing. So it undermines the lessons that Mara was trying to teach him earlier. Okay. I also don't feel like uh, for using previous uh, relationships between Jason and Anakin that Jason would allow Anakin to be the leader of the group. Not like, that he felt he had a choice. 
I, I never didn't really honestly get that myself. Like for me, the obvious leader is Ganner. Now that there's kind of the fail, whole fake out thing there, yeah. but I just, I didn't get like, there was nothing really in Anakin's past. I mean, I, I guess he's shown himself to be a good warrior. He saves Mara on, is that Ithor? He saves her. Um, Something. Yeah. That and, was all still the Antoine. I think oh, was it? Anakin okay. just is there. Like most of his actions on Dantooine. I don't I don't remember his, him doing anything else uh in other books. He does uh, I think part of it is because he understands the Vong more from because like Edge of Victory is is so much about Anakin and Tahiri and how they're the two that go and spend that time with the Vong. He has the lambent crystals. So I think it's yeah. kind of coming from that. But yeah. I don't think that's quite enough to justify him fully leading the mission. For sure, like Ganner and Jaina are probably both better choices for that. Yeah, and it's just like I just I have trouble buying into the whole like for one, the whole cl- the cloning thing doesn't really make sense to me. Um, like, why can't you just clone a clone? I guess, but uh, whatever. That's you know, Star Wars has that rule. Sometimes you can't clone a clone, yeah. so that's whatever. But like, I just it it just feels weird that there was no better way to get to this planet than the highly risky plan. But I mean, I guess that's also star Wars. It's just that kind of when the whole book is about this mission and I'm not sure about the logic of it, especially with Anakin being the leader. Um, yeah. Like, uh, don't you guys think that at least one master Jedi would be joining the team? Uh, yeah. I think the way they laid out the justification for that worked mm-hmm. well enough for the story. Like, they're not going to think that the higher level Jedi are falling for the trap they're setting and it's going to cause them to be more cautious. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. Those that won't even know what a master Jedi is at this point. Maybe they do. They yeah, have, I think like, it's just like they know Ganner's kind of a hothead. He's the oldest, most experienced one they can get away with. Because mm-hmm. like Ganner's relatively well known even to them. But as soon as you have like a smarter adult with them, the Vong might get a bit more suspicious. Classic Ganner. <laughs> yeah, I, I I couldn't remember why they were all kids. Like like what what the rationale? I was thinking that it had something to do with them sneaking this through storage lockers or something. Yeah. But uh, they're not that young. Like Jason's got to be man sized, so yeah, it's got nothing to do with that. It I, I don't yeah, have that much it's of a. Set, it's a setup like uh, to be able to uh, use the young Jedi books to like basically mm-hmm. to springboard into that. Mm-hmm. And for me, the logic of allowing them to go is not there still. I don't know. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm being anti to I don't know. Yeah. What I don't I get is why been... it was so hard for them to figure out it would be Makir. Like you know, it's Vornsker based, yeah. and then yeah. it takes like a hundred pages of them fucking analyzing what it was eating to realize that they're over the planet that Vornsker are from. Which isn't that how they did it? Didn't they do something like that in the Thrawn trilogy as well? The metallic contents. Yeah, I'm trying to remember. I couldn't remember if that was to find. Yeah, maybe that was to find Waylon though. So does he explain why the uh, Wong are allowed to come call them Wong, or is it uh, like a? We're we're. uh, I guess we should. uh, No, no, screw the Wong. They they can be Wong. It's fine. Wong. Uh, and then in brackets derogatory. <laughs> <laughs> so why is that? Why is that actually a derogatory? I, I don't remember. 
Uh, they explained it in the last book, I think. I think it's it, something about like you're separating them from the gods. Uh, two or books something. ago, the shamed one explains it. Yeah. To Anakin. Yeah, it's like if the name of our species was like godly humans, then people just called us humans, and people were like, "Oh, you can't do that." I think that's what the that's what okay. it is. That's how I became shamed, or better known as <laughs> atheist. So, uh, do they explain uh, why the wrong uh, can't replicate the process? Because from the later books, we see that uh, they kind of have this uh, codexes, I guess, uh, of uh, bioengineering. And like uh, whatever is written there is uh, forever. So uh, I'm not sure if it's explained why they can't replicate the process and create boxing again. Yeah, I'm wondering whether maybe like they wiped out all the Vornsker on Merkur or something when they long formed it, other than the ones that were off planet. I'm not sure. Yeah, it's weird because like they get sent them by Viki and Vicky, then they yeah. go to the planet that it's on. And then for whatever reason, once that one's dead, they just can't do it again. I do kind of wonder if this was part of. Like Shimra making Nen Yim or his like personal band of shapers do things because there's no way this was in the in the cortexes itself. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> so I think there's like a, a potentially interesting subplot there that we didn't get rather mm. than the hundred page search for Merkir. Because uh, I I really just do like Nen Yim as well as a character. Yeah. Like one of the few really good Vaughn characters. Yeah. And we could have had that instead of the weird fucking subplot with Savong Law wanting to have sex with his attendant and then so not wanting to having to well yeah but Vong dingling because Troy Dunning Troy Dunning just needs to make everything as horny as possible so there were two moments like that in this book sorry yeah there, there so, more than two there were like four so basically every time Seif gets <clears> mentioned <throat> she it's just basically about how attractive she is and then it ends with her seeing Savong Law naked, which means that she either needs to die or they need to breed. And rather than killing her, Savong Law uh, decides they're going to make babies. And then she gets to like, my quarters, wench. Really attached to him as well. Like, you need to survive to raise our baby together. I was but, going to say that I operate like that. Uh, if I send someone a dick pic, they have to have sex with me. But oh no. I, I can't say that. Uh, so moral question after what I, what I said moral question right on time. So uh if you are a Jedi uh before the Vong War, uh do you feel like you have to destroy the Vong Scourge? Um for the Vong War? Oh yeah. like if you go back it's like the Hitler question like do you shoot baby Hitler? Mm, not a Hitler question but like uh there's so many problems they created during the uh Tron trilogy. Don't you feel like somebody like keep doing let's say might justify killing them destroying them completely yeah i think so i think I, uh, someone would try it i don't think they'd be right to okay. i like you salamini more anyway so uh fuck <laughs> monster i mean well, it's, yeah, it's basically the natural hunters of do we have a right to commit a genocide because we have these special powers and we can be hunted by this one particular thing. Like, I don't think they have... I don't think most of the Jedi would see it as them having that right. I think the Voxen, uh, it's just because they are bred as weapons to specifically hunt them down rather than they have the capability of doing it. I guess yeah. I'm getting very utilitarian right now, but if you feel like you are doing enough good in the galaxy, maybe... I'd do it. 
Okay. I'd do it. Yeah, I'd do it. I think you're well, Mark, if someone's doing what the Vong are doing to the Vornsker, then you have like hunting down the Vong are fair game, but not the as an organization, not every individual in it. But I don't think you just preemptively go and nuke the Vornsker. Maybe you take some I do it. Ten precautions times out of ten. to defend Merkir. Maybe you don't have fucking Talon card blab his dumbass mouth to everyone and then make the galaxy be doomed to whatever's going on now. I think Corey is hiding his power level better than uh, Justin. For me, if it's if it's my if I gotta kill all the dogs in Canada to save my my nephew, I I do it in a, in a minute. <laughs> a minute, yeah. If I gotta snap my finger, I do it for sure. Okay, but what if you don't have to snap your finger? What if you gotta go around the country with a machete? A light machete, if we're keeping the... I don't, make well, it I don't have time for that, but if you, make, one, if you can put them all in one... If you can put them all in one room and I can turn on the like turn on the big guillotine, I'd do that. Well, okay, so it's the it's the trolley problem of all the puppers versus one nephew. Yeah, I don't value animals as much as humans. I can't see it. Like, I can't see it, I guess. Uh, I, guess I, I, under, I, I understand why some wouldn't, but for me... Look, I man, guess I can't keep eating meat. Is it fair for them... Charlie in chat saying Rip Murphy. <laughs> oh, it is it had a heartbeat. Are you serious? He's right here too. But I so I I did wanna <laughs> to finish off the, the Seif and Savong Law thing. Uh so when Seif sees him naked, it's because Shimra's calling. And at the end of the call with Shimra, uh It's like when Shim- Charlie sends me Snapchat to him pissing. <laughs> and and I accidentally show it to Murphy. Shimra comments on how uh, it's kind of sus that you left her alive, but don't worry, I, uh, I'm down with it. And he basically, Im- like, it implies that Shimra just like drops all his clothes at that point too. <laughs> it's like Savon thinks he was invited to look, but not to comment. So uh, it doesn't say it explicitly, but I'm pretty sure that's what happened, and I'm not sure why. I thought it was just him looking upon him in general. No, because he says see and be seen. And it's not just like we're going to sit here on FaceTime quietly for a moment for some reason. He's definitely like angling that down a little bit. I don't know. I got to reread that now with, with the be a little more excited to reread star by star. <laughs> there were a couple of horny moments in this book. There's every time the, the kids like when they're, all, they're always being described as like hardly wearing clothes. Like when they're in the Vong ship, they're like, it specifically says they're hardly wearing clothes. And then there's the scene with Reinhardt where he, so everyone gets kind of like romantic with each other, which from what I've heard is kind of a realistic, you know, and you go through trauma or whatever. What's that? Reaction to a dangerous situation. Yeah, for sure. And Reinhardt wakes up. He's like, I think I just kissed that girl last night. And then he looks over and she's, she's like topless. And he's looking at her back, and she's all scarred. And she turns, she kind of like looks back, and she's like, "Are you, are you looking at me?" I don't remember exactly what she says, but oh, and like half of them are like sixteen, seventeen years old, which is okay. And then uh, there's another moment. Sorry, uh, there's another moment where Han is like, Han makes a comment about like I forget who Anakin's sitting next to, but he's like Anakin wasn't quite as uh, familiar in the in ways as she was, or something, and then. <laughs> There's kind of a joke about how Jane is not either because she's been too busy in Rogue Squadron the whole time. I guess uh, any Star Wars book that has Star in it uh, has to be a uh, horn. <laughs> yeah. 
get Lost Stars, we get Star by Star. It, it's Troy Denning or Star. And if you have both, then it's just going all the way. You're, you're the fucked, stars yeah. lined up. <laughs> but yeah, I, exactly. I get a bit annoyed with Mara in the NJO, especially some of these later books, because she gets reduced to like I, I don't have as much problem with like the the Mara illness arc, but any I, I've mentioned it before where she kind of gets left out of important Jedi meetings. And now all she cares about is basically Ben. She's either commenting on Ben or commenting on having sex with Luke. Even if they're in the middle of combat where like she's anything oh, yeah, Luke tries to too. say. And it's like, not like last night. Meanwhile, they have another person in their little mind meld thing. Yeah, they can hear fucking... everything. And basically this jealousy leads to her death later on, right? Uh, mm. I don't know if the horniness is why Jason kills her. No, no, not holiness, uh, jealousy. I think she's uh, actually going after what sort of face? Um, Lumaya? Lumaya, and uh, actually Jason's there, something like that. That's kind right? of what happens, yeah. Yeah, yeah because, uh, oh yeah, it's like they were, they were like interfacing. And he's like, Luke was thinking about when they were interfacing last night. Yeah. Uh, there's another guy in the chat. <laughs> <laughs> Like, like this is the, like it's like you accidentally like try to sex your like significant other and you do it in the family group chat. If I want to piss off my parents more, I'll, I'm going to do it. But yeah, Luke, uh, Luke sensed an so, uncommon moment of embarrassment in his wife as Mara, Mara's mind flashed from the cognitive <laughs> union they were experiencing union. to a more physical kind. And he found himself sharing in her hope that nobody else was picking up on the connection. Meanwhile, Tam absolutely was. I just, uh, for me, I always find that so unbelievable because, like, Mara's presented as, like, this this vixen, this beautiful redhead, strong woman, and Luke is, like, fucking Luke. He's, like, kind of a wiener in, in a way. <laughs> like, I, I, I just don't believe that 45-year-old Luke is really that much of a fucking... Listen, that, that reminds me, I, I want to rant, like, for five seconds because my it. rants are usually shorter than Justin's... Uh, uh yeah. i hate whatever happens in uh any star wars tv show whatever happens in any star wars book the moment something happens not doesn't matter what what it is someone somewhere will publish an article saying that they are bringing Mara Jade back <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it completely you. blows my head how stupid it is like can you guys just leave it be for five seconds just there will be no Mara. That's it. That's well done with that. I don't know. It yeah. depends what you define as, as Mara as well. Like, is it just redhead well, who are, works they for are, the Emperor? They are doing it with, with everything. So yeah. if there's a redhead character, if there's uh, some kind of girlfriend or wife of Luke, or mm -hmm. if there's some yeah. uh, female smuggler type character. Uh, so it's just basically whatever happens, no matter what, Mara Jade yeah. is returned to Star Wars. So I, I guess mean, that young. I could see some situation in which a character in some way similar to Mara comes back, but like, yeah, it's not happened so far. There's been no reason to believe any of the cases where all of these clickbait videos get made. Like it, yeah, it, it's ridiculous. I actually don't know. Uh, maybe one of you guys have made that video, but I'm mostly talking uh, about news articles. Yeah, it is mostly news articles. Yeah. It's, and it's really like far fetched. Like uh, somebody has like, one stand of red hair, or I don't know, somebody has a relative who is smuggler, something like that. Something, and then it's just a Photoshop picture of Scarlett Johansson, <laughs> yes, sir, exactly. Um, 
I'm gonna say. Oh, you're right about Mara being reduced though. Her and Leia are basically the same character, just one of them sad and one of them's angry. Or like feisty. That's like Mara's feisty Leia, Leia's sad Mara. That's how I feel about them in this book at least. Fair enough. A question for you guys. Uh what do you think um Savongla wanted to do with Ben Skywalker? I mean, probably just a standard. Yeah, probably just a nice standard sacrifice. He's kind of freaking out because he's got a he's got a uh, a Charlie style toenail that he's got to get rid of, and (laughs) it's not going away, and doesn't know what antibiotics are, and (laughs) thinks he's cursed. Can you imagine (laughs) that? If like every time like you got sick in real life, you're just like, "Fuck, I'm cursed." Like I gotta go do something sick to make the gods like me again. Fuck my hand and get the blood Yeah, yeah. I I think like. If if they were able to get Ben and sacrifice him, then that just completely undermines the Jedi. Where like if they can't protect, like if Luke and Mara can't protect the not yet Grand Master of the Order's child, they can't protect you. So you should all just turn them yeah. over now, and maybe we'll be nice to you. Like it's- uh, do you think there was like idea to uh, do the Tahiri situation and. Uh- Brainwash the kid into becoming like a mix of Wong and Jedi. It's interesting. Mm. Could be. I don't know. Wong Rala storyline had been continued. I don't know how on board Savong Law would be with that because that seems a little bit on the heretical side. Like when Nen Yim and what's her name were doing that, it was very clearly like, yeah, breaking of what the cortexes were allowing which is why i kind of think the the voxen probably did that as well mm-hmm. and i don't think that savong law would <clears throat> maybe he'd be maybe other shapers if they came up with it and did it maybe he would kind of he wouldn't know enough to say no to it but i don't think he'd have that idea for himself or yeah that'd be a plan that he would do and Shimmer would maybe do it but yeah and since this seems to be like since the stuff with viki seems to be his operation i would doubt that's what they're going for. Like I could see someone trying to do that with Jaina and Jason when they get captured before they get sacrificed or something. Cause it's a thing you can start doing now rather than like, Oh, let's intercept Ben and do it. Like, so we, I kind of felt like Jedi it was just years from now. Vicky trying to redeem herself. Like, I don't, did she get direct orders from Savon Long to do that? Or was she just kind of off on her own? I can't remember. She got the Vong escort to go and do mm. it. So I think it has, right. To be. They they kind of do it again with uh, the Slayers at the end. Those are essentially mm-hmm. Vong-formed Jedi. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Actually, I'm reading the... Uh, what's the name of this book? I keep forgetting. The one where uh, Starlight Beacon is destroyed. Fallen uh, Star. Fallen Star, yeah. The uh, least horny star book. Uh, <laughs> so... Uh, I, I kind of don't like at this point this Star Wars trope of uh, someone changing the size and becoming enemy. It's like, uh, I feel like it's uh, happening more often than it should. Mm-hmm. And uh, the idea that uh, there's always someone working within government to destabilize it, etc. Et I feel like Vicky might be interesting, but 
there's so much difference between Wong and uh, humans that it's difficult to think that someone would uh, try to do it, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I think they could have... I mean, we kind of know her rationale. She wants to save Kuat in a way, but... It's a little flimsy. What we see from the like start of the Vong invasion is that uh, there is no like loyalty to any like yeah. that they just do stuff. Especially especially after uh, it was Aitor, right? Aitor, yeah, yeah. After that, expecting that they will spare your planet, uh, which mm. is one of the biggest uh, space shipyard. Ship. Yeah, yeah. It's, like I know that's not going to happen. Yeah. I don't know. I think like. The way the earlier war handles it is better. Like yeah. this later part of the war has, or I guess the middle, the later part goes back away from it. But this middle part has so much focus on Vicky Shesh as like an active enemy uh, agent. When I think the more interesting plot line or the more interesting message or theme they were exploring of like the members of the Senate who were being inactive because they were afraid rather than mm-hmm. because they were uh, just actively helping the Vong, I thought there was more to explore there that would have been more interesting than just like, ha, general, here's your new evil person of the day. They kind of dropped the whole uh, collaborators think midway through the series, I guess. Like, after Elysia, Elysia, we don't see the Peace Brigade as much as before. Uh, mm-hmm. Again, it's, it's just a feeling. Maybe I'm misremembering it, but uh, mm-hmm. it feels like the whole idea of uh Jedi hunting etc it goes nowhere at some point yeah I think I think that kind of stops now where we've kind of trailed off the peace brigade a bit but there's still been mentions yeah. of them it's just not as interesting like Han and Leia deal with them a lot. here yeah Han yeah. and Leia deal with them a lot in Edge of Victory but once Coruscant's done they've basically taken over the galaxy so like they're no one's it gets way past the point i i agree with you that ethor should have been the sign there but once coruscant's down once they've controlled everything it's harder for anyone to say okay maybe the collaboration yeah. is better because a lot of it is well in this book they talk about how it's the inner a lot of the the core worlds and the, the inner rim worlds <clears throat> who are trying to kind of do the appeasement thing but after this point it's kind of clear like the writing's on the wall there is actually in recovery uh, there's a bit more about that because they're on Corellia mm-hmm. and uh, you have Thrak and Sal Solo and Han and Leia mentioned, that part. Yeah. mentioned to the Corellians of like, oh, this person's with the Peace Brigade. Don't you understand their collaborationists? And the response is like, oh, we don't uh, yeah, we don't discriminate against people outlawed. here for their political affiliations. Yeah. So I, th- I thought that part of it actually handled it a lot better than how yeah. Vicky Shesh gets handled in this, and it's both by Troy Denning as well. So yeah, yeah. Um, I found I found his writing in this to be a bit thick. Troy Denning's. Um, usually, I don't really have that much problem with it, but I found myself maybe it was just because the length of the book. But I found myself just getting lost in pages sometimes, where like maybe there was too much action or there was jumping between characters too much. But I was just like, I've, I had to reread things sometimes because I was like, I remember the part where they're in the. Um, they're, they 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 get their disguises when they're inside the uh, the the Banu Ross or whatever, and I was like, how are they walking by all these Vong? And at one point, it mentions they've got the what are they hollow somethings. Yeah, I was like, I didn't even fucking know. Like, I'm just I'm lost. 
Yeah, in general, uh, the description of the whole uh, world ship is really, I guess, it kind of mixed up. Mm-hmm. It's really difficult to understand what is happening where and how. Like the world ship uh, is simultaneously a ship and simultaneously it's like a, uh, I don't know, they're like uh, nature's uh, style yeah. areas, etc., etc., which is, I guess, uh, part of the wrong uh, entire like society. But at the same time, the ship is really like, uh, it's a mess of uh, what's going on. And uh, I, I, I'm reading the book for the like fifth time now. Uh, and each time, no, not not because of it. I'm joking, obviously. I, I I have been reading Star Wars for like decades now, so uh, this is like fifth or sixth time. And each time I read it, the section with uh, the world ship are the most difficult for me to get through. Mm-hmm. They kind of uh, like mush together. They kind of blur together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's finding that too. Uh, I think Corey mentioned the uh, directions the war was going, and um, in my opinion, um, in terms of like wars and the battles, this might be maybe the best Star Wars series. This book handles the scale of it all very well, I thought. Yeah. Where it's like, it, it's kind of just like, it's a meat grinder. Like, there's not really, I mean, there's sort of our tactics. Uh, um, I, I have a bit of issue with some of the tactic, like some of the writing around that as well. But the scale felt good, the stakes felt good. The fall of Coruscant, I think, is like appropriately horrifying. Um, yeah, the refugee situation on Coruscant is shown really beautiful. I mean, I feel like. yeah. Yeah. Again, my problem with this book is mostly the world ship stuff. Uh, everywhere yeah. else, stuff is actually more coherent and interesting to me. A, because I have read it so many times now, I, I mm. don't really care about what happens. With it. In general, I'm not really connected to anything, let's just say. Yeah. I've, I always felt like uh, the way the conflict between Jason and Anakin was set up from early on, I, I felt like uh, Jason was the one that's going to sacrifice himself. Mm-hmm. But yeah. yeah. So I... do you mean the the war, how it gets handled in here in particular, or do you mean like the series as a whole and how series it progresses? Okay. I don't okay. like the I don't like the conclusion and I hope that you guys will invite me when you are going to talk about uh what's the name of that book? Is it Unifying oh. Force or I think Unifying Force is the last yeah, one. Unifying right? Force, yeah, Unifying uh, Force. Yeah, for sure. Because I really, really don't like the conclusion of the series. Oh, I'll have a lot to say at the end of the book. Don't worry. Yeah, so you're more than welcome to join too. If you guys can invite me to to Absolutely. talk about it, I would appreciate it because, like, I feel like I'm not going to like go deep, but they are they use a cop out there. I mean, there's a literal planet moving yeah, around. They're, they're, <laughs> they use a cop out, and then they try to. Uh, set up a prequel with this planet. I don't know if you guys read that one with uh, Obi-Wan. Uh, and Rogue Anakin. Planet, yeah. Rogue Planet, yeah. I And I hated it uh, back then, and I still hate it. I feel like it's a, a really, really, um, what's the word? Mm-hmm. Uh, without being insulting. Basically, it's uh, a cop-out, and it's not a good conclusion to the series. Yeah. That's why after multiple reads, I feel like... Um, the next series, I always forget its name. Uh, Enemy Lines? No, no, no. The or next, Darth uh, Nest. 
uh, actually the one after the Dark Legacy Knight. of the Force. Yeah, Legacy of the Force for me is the best. Uh, is the best Legend series. Okay, you can get behind that. I really like, I like it too. Yeah, I I feel like uh, the setup there is good. There are problems obviously, but uh, the battles are good. Uh, I like how they discover the politics of the uh, Republic. Etc. Uh, Etc. Et so obviously we'll talk that down the line. Mm. But in terms of battles, I really like uh, what they're doing with, the, especially like stuff like Ebug Nine. Mm-hmm. Feel, uh, yeah. It describes uh, how the Wong want to fight. It describes how Akbar wants to fight. It describes uh, both tactics and like psychology of yeah. two groups. And yeah. we're actually yeah. planning to do a series on that uh, on the second channel. That'd be good. I'd watch that. The, the, there was more detail about the battle, and even in this, than I remembered. It's not all good, but it's yeah. you know, I, I yeah. think overall the progression kind of makes sense. I think like everywhere up till here and in uh, the enemy lines duology, the progression of the war is handled really well. Uh, some of the other later books, it does get more to the point of like we're moving towards that Deus Ex of yeah uh, of Zunama Seacod. So even though I I think even through uh force heretic you have a lot of good description of how the war is going but by that point you also know they're looking for zunama god so it all kind of uh, i start yeah. to get a bit more invested in the character stories compared to the overall war because there's still mm. a lot of good stuff to come with like jason and vergier and Jaina as well yeah but what do you guys think about vergier at this point like what's your sense say. on how is she is she planning to betray the vong is she actually with the vong what are what's your sense reading it for the like what was your sense when you're reading it for the first time or now and where her mind is okay when i was when i read it first time i was in my mid-teens so i was even more stupid than i'm right now uh i was absolutely horrified with what was going on between her and uh jason uh now it's less horrifying and more uh I don't really understand what she's saying to do. Mm-hmm. I think uh, it's clear she's not on the Vong. Sorry. Yeah. yeah, she's not on the Vong side, but like, what is she trying to do exactly? Like, uh, mm-hmm. uh, the, in the next book, we get that virus that might destroy the Vong, and she's like, uh, we, ha- we can't use it because of the force, blah, 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 blah. So, uh, what is the entire philosophy of Virgil? Uh, is she uh some kind of like neutral force user that uh now understands both sides of the conflict is she a dark side user uh and if she's not then how come her lessons lead uh jason to a dark side yeah i see her more as a like for me it feels like she's uh, in this i think it's pretty clear for one obviously she's not actually with the vong and I do think she is a meant to be a light side force user, just not a Jedi. Like in this, she she tells Jaina not to use the force lightning, basically, or like she kind of chastises her for letting her use her anger. Um, I think she's got a different philosophy about how to use the force, and maybe she's she's dark side without meaning to be. But I don't. I I, I think she's meant to be a um okay, so a, a twisted good character, maybe. In Jason's turn to the dark side, we um, like I remember this because like it's underlined over and over that whatever happened happened when 
he was traveling and he was uh, learning new, new things. Mm-hmm. So that's how he became dark side user. But I feel like the next series kind of deliberately forget about Virgil. Like what she did to him, yeah. uh, etc. And I don't exactly like it because uh, I feel like her uh, influence on Jason uh, should not be like underestimated. Mm-hmm. No, I, I, uh, I agree with that. And she will, she is the one who drew uh, him to the dark side. So I think it, it gets a little bit muddled because the way that it was handled in Legacy of the Force is very different from uh, how it was probably intended to be handled by Stover. And Stover is the one who most clearly lays out who Vergeer is. But I think you can make a clear path from what Vergeer does to Jaken, Jason, not Jaken, leading to him becoming a Sith without it necessarily needing to be her intention or her being on the dark mm-hmm. side. Like, I I don't think you can defend what she does to him as being a light side user either. Like, she very clearly went through a lot and she put Jason through so much where... To me, this I, I'll have to think about it more reading Trader again because it's been long enough that I don't remember the specifics. But to me, it felt more like Vergier was putting Jason through that, thinking it was the only way to have any kind of salvation for the Yuzon Vong is to get him to understand what they're doing, why they're doing that, and then have him kind of go back to the New Republic or go back to the Galactic Alliance at that point with that understanding even if it was at such a personal cost where he was basically destroyed by the experience and Vergier, while not necessarily being dark side herself was willing to make that sacrifice and had to prepare Jason to make that sacrifice. But then it gets kind of recontextualized within legacy, the force by just saying, Oh no, she actually saw Darth crate hanging upside down. And now Jason's a Sith Lord. And I think you can keep the path from Jason in this with everything he goes through from losing Anakin and Chewbacca, going through the war and trying to figure out how he can not have that happen again, not have that happen for his daughter. Therefore, he becomes a Sith Lord without it having been Vergeer was manipulating him towards that. And I think that would have been a better way for them to go. Yeah, I agree with that. I think that's well said. I think, like, entire uh, idea of Vergeer uh, torturing him, it makes no sense to me still. And I have this uh, friend, I actually have friends, uh, it might be surprising. <laughs> uh, I have this friend who is more into spiritual stuff than me. And he's always like, yeah, you don't understand that because you are too grounded and you are not like uh, allowing uh, the whole pain leading to salvation, etc., etc., etc. And... I don't. I still don't understand it. <laughs> it's not. Mm-hmm. It's not like pain leading to personal salvation. I was. I was saying it more of like Jason needs to understand the Vong in order to help with getting them to be able to end the war without having to wipe out the Vong. Uh, and the unfortunate requirement of that was Jason getting involved in their society or understanding their society, which was built around pain. Like I'm trying to understand how Stover would have gone about it with the preset version of the Vong that was there because that's how he ends up talking about and thinking about a lot of his stories and how he rationalizes the choices of the characters with like Revenge of the Sith where he can't decide that outer context but he can figure out how those characters are acting within that context 
So I'm not saying it as like it's a spiritual necessity to suffer for some kind of salvation, though uh, a lot of religions probably would say that, and the Vong one does. It's that Jason needed to go through that from Vergier's perspective in order to result in a to find a, a solution for the war that wouldn't involve having to genocide them because they would have been fighting forever. And Namador ends up playing a bit of a role in that because of the shame run uprising. That's the thing for me. Uh, like the end of the series is actually the rejection of Wong ideas, right? Yeah. So uh, the idea is that they were wrong all along. Wong were wrong. Yeah. Uh, so they were wrong all along. Uh, they actually uh, didn't live the way they were supposed to live, etc., etc., etc. So why should uh, Jason even try to understand them? They are living wrong. They are uh, not uh, doing what they're supposed to do. Well, it's more the it's more his understanding of the force and why the Vong are excluded from it. Okay. That's, that makes sense to me. He that needs is. to be able to go through that so he can turn into a floating ball of light and blast on him from across the room. <laughs> it's really what it ends up being, which I, I agree that it, it doesn't pay off in the best way. But I think that's ultimately what they try to set up with with Traitor. Uh, so like, if you read Traitor alone, I think it the way that it's laid out there makes more sense, even if I don't think Vergier is still justified in what she's doing. Like, it's a bit more clear that she's gone off the deep end, mm -hmm. but there's more of a reason. And she's basically Kreia, where she yeah. has this philosophy that she's outlined. She's not correct In the famous about YouTube it. video. <laughs> yeah, if you fall asleep, then Vergier comes and autoplays, <laughs> and you go but to like, the dark side. Compare Vergier's action is a uh, I don't remember the name of the book, but uh, the ones that when uh, where they're on Mon Calamari and they are doing collection thing. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, uh, I can't remember which one that is. Yeah. Oh, Senator yes. sneak away and scramble free. Yeah, so basically <laughs> the uh, the one where Lando steals the election. Thank you. Yeah, and that gets portrayed as a good thing. Yeah, I don't know what's going on. So uh, in that, her actions are completely like. Um, different from what she has been preaching before mm -hmm. again well maybe maybe i'm i'm reading too much into that maybe uh she just uh after spending so much time with Wong, she kind of understands them and she kind of wants to save them i think part of the problem is that every author had a different idea of what yeah. Rogier was doing and i think stover's is the clearest and the one that makes the most sense of like how to handle the character, not necessarily that his version of Vergier was the most correct. Uh, and other authors tried to pick that up and run with it in ways that were different from each other as well. Uh, and it just, it ends up with Vergier being a very weird character. Yeah. I still don't understand what Vergier is. Like if anyone asks me, I, I will not be able to give them like a I think sentence. part of it you see when it does come to the what which is it the the red uh, virus what's the, what's it called again the red alpha blue with alpha or er, uh, alpha blue yeah or no that's oh, the alpha blue is this thing that's the, that's the covid forty k let's go also. yeah <laughs> so I I do think you see a little bit of what she's preaching there where like she's kind of like don't fucking do this like I I think maybe if if Jason is to understand the Vong maybe it's so not because they're they're worthy of understanding but just so you kind of understand why you don't want to genocide all of them 
you know, yeah. with something like that massive virus. You know the what I mean? thing is, the thing is, the form more or less ends with the Republican victory. Yeah. Uh, so without Luke going to Coruscant, without Luke fighting uh, Sabon Wai, etc., the war doesn't end. So I feel like obviously the, the remaining won't surrender, right? But mm-hmm. again, I'm going into the unifying force and I don't want to do that because it's like entire different kind of worms for me. Uh, I feel like there was little uh, understanding between the authors of where they want to go with it. So despite the fact that Zenomosekot appears, despite the fact that it becomes clear that Wong was living wrong, uh, they don't change their mind until they are defeated uh, militarily. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm not saying that there's like necessarily anything that redeems with their actions. I'm just saying maybe the point is like you lose more by genociding all of them. Like maybe that's what you like. You you were ready to kill all, all the puppies. So what's the problem? Yeah. There? So I think part of it is I that agree. they didn't mm. end up kill. Like they won a military victory, but they also gave the Vong. They showed the Vong another way, and the the other way was stupid because it was we flew a planet here now sit on it. But mm-hmm. without Zonama Seacott and without the Shamed One revolts and everything, I don't think the Shamed Ones and Nash Choka and them would have said, "Okay, we'll go on that planet and leave." And like Nash Choka ends up agreeing with the uh, before they leave, Nash Choka tells the rest of the New Republic that he'll help him, he'll help them hunt down the rest of the Vong that haven't surrendered and were going to continue fighting. Much like how Coruscant wasn't going to be habitable for thousands of years, that gets dropped. But right. there, there was a bit more of like a hint at what could have happened there. That I think when you're looking at the again the story from like a top-down view with point like just broader point breakdown of what the story is i think it makes more sense than if you look at the specific execution because there's hints of the elements that would make more sense that they kind of didn't execute on very well yep but we'll talk about it when we yeah come to the unifying force yeah we're getting a little ahead of ourselves there yeah yep. uh but all of that to say with all the attempts that Vergier is making to undermine Name, or I think she actually thinks he's competent, which is weird. Mm-hmm. Uh... I actually think that Norman Nor is probably the most interesting uh, character in the series, maybe one of. It's definitely up but there. I, I understand what he's trying to do all the time, which is, again, I'm dumb, okay, but like, uh, uh, just right for me, okay? Just don't make it too difficult like Virgil. Uh, no more, no, I know what he's trying to do. Mm-hmm. I know uh, what drives him. I know uh, what kind of person he is. I actually know a person like that. He didn't, like, poison anyone, but, like, I expect it to happen any day now. <laughs> <laughs> the last thing that I want to mention is at one point, uh, before they go out, or when they're on their mission, they're talking about using the dark side of the force and Anakin's response is nobody's using the dark side on this mission. And he just leaves it at that. So that, that would have been an effective strategy. If someone, if before the events of episode three, someone just said, Anakin, don't use the dark side of the force. Well, yeah. And then like four people use the dark side. So it clearly is showing that you don't. Yeah, that's true. 
Um, also, but yeah, but after mostly after Anakin died, and he didn't say it's the Dark Jedi. But Anakin um, also told <clears throat> Jason, "Give Tahiri a kiss for me," and we know how that ended. It's not great. Yeah. Uh, the other thing I wanted to mention is that this is just a little detail. They go back to Corita, and there's a a restaurant. I, this might have been in the in the Carita? in the yeah, and this might have been in the prequel. A they restaurant to, on Corita. Like there's a space station in the system, and the the name is a joke about how the whole system has been oh. destroyed. Oh, I, I guess that was where that was. Yeah, so it's know. like I don't know if there's a 9/11 themed restaurant yet, but like <laughs> that wasn't that long ago in universe. That's like a similar amount of time, and billions of people died. Although I guess they were Imperials. So fuck I them. was going to say that Coruscant wasn't built in five days, but apparently it was. Uh. I I would wanted to bring up the droid thing. Uh, okay. I know we talked about it in uh, when we were discussing with the Prime, but when we were reading and when uh, when I was reading with the Prime, I felt like uh, Star Wars will try to go into the whole uh, are droids human thing, mm-hmm. and uh, it kind of like a few times in this uh, in these books. They kind of try to go with this question. They kind of try to understand if there's a soul, if there's a uh, free will, etc., etc. But they are not doing enough there, and they are not going too deep. I don't yeah. know if it, if the idea is not to go to sci-fi with Star Wars, uh, maybe something else. And the same actually goes uh, to the whole uh, what's the name of the doors? Uh, y Y V H. Yeah. So. Uh, in my opinion, the moment these droids appeared on the battlefield, like for the Wong, they probably should have been even more um, sacrilegious than the Jedi. Yeah, like I, mm. I expected something like bad to happen, bad to happen to like Lando, and like he was so openly. Uh, it ties back to this book. Uh, he was so openly like uh, selling these droids. Mm-hmm. I'm kind of surprised that uh, his face wasn't like uh, bio printed in the brain of every Wong. In the yeah, garden. they just felt back because they knew they were taking Dome Town from him in Coruscant anyway. <laughs> so Dome Town sounds like a, a blowjob parlor, but that's all right. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree. I think we. We kind of got a replacement of the the droid storyline with uh, the bigger focus on the refugees. And I think mm-hmm. there probably was a way to do both of those yeah. at the same time. And I think uh, James Lucino's books did the best job of kind of tying that in together, where we got like the Selish Egg facility, where there was the the droid who was definitely not Bullocks, who kind of led <laughs> the revolution there. And we get a, a bit of that. We get like one hint of it in star by star where it's like uh the vong saying oh you're getting those non-human non-living things off the planet and they're posing as the security people but it's almost just played as a way to uh, identify them as the vong rather than any kind of exploration of the idea being proposed there because it just goes on to the next thing uh and we don't even get like a no one, no one cares that MTD dies, and he's a long-standing main character at this point. Yeah, what the fuck was with that? You, uh, okay, I, I honestly, I think the answer is pretty simple in that there's not a good, it like, if you want to address that, you've got to change everything about how droids are treated. Because if 
if droids are are fully sentient and you know deserving of rights, then you probably got to take Hano back and shoot him in the head for all the shit he's done to C three PO. So I hope C three PO does it himself. But uh, <laughs> what's your opinion, guys? Do you feel like uh, Star Wars droids have soul? I don't think anyone uh, has a soul, so I yeah, think they don't have as much a of a score. soul as the other people. So, but do like, they have more souls than a puppy? That's a question, I guess. It's the thing I hate about the Force, where like Luke starts being okay with the genociding of the Yuuzhan Vong because, uh, because they don't have the the Force soul, basically. And mm-hmm. I think like he should be. I don't like the I don't like the idea of the force because of that because it does make that separation, and then you can just justify uh, no droids don't have whatever essence there, and therefore they're not worthy of the same rights. Rather than looking at how they experience the world and say, does that justify it? Well, that actually reminds me there was kind of a weird creationist argument in this book that Jason gets into for a second, where it's like. The force was was one or he pointed to the fact that some animals will kill themselves if it means the next uh, generation survives as proof that the force exists when like that's yeah. kind of a, a very similar argument you get from a creationist. Um, yeah, just obviously you'd say God instead of the force. But <laughs> do we want to discuss Daying's uh, religion now? <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I don't I don't know if he is or not, but it's just. Also, I gotta say, I got so much anxiety when they're in this fucking crowded hangar, and it's the end of the world, and they leave the fucking baby with C-3PO. Yeah. Bad what call. are you doing? Yes. Fucking you, come on. Would you leave Would you leave your baby with a uh, creature that has no soul? I a droid know. with, I mean, he's got arthritis and anxiety, and... So, yeah. Star Wars, for all their advanced tech, they have not invented the most basic of fucking baby carriers. No one yeah. ever uses one, and so many kids get kidnapped because of it. Yeah. They, I don't know why this isn't a thing that you're really on, Justin, as the, as the yeah, father should. here, but... Should. Like, uh, that stood out to me. Is like there, There's no way that none of these people have any kind of carrier. They're just always carrying around the baby in, like, the crook of their arm... Like they, Honestly, I I was that guy. I find carriers to be very inconvenient, but but if you're you're not fleeing a planet, yeah, that's true. It's one oh, thing yeah. if you don't have oh, to do yeah. housework because they're the the upper fucking echelon of society. They've never had to hold a baby while doing a dish in their life. I just I found it funny too how Han and Leia totally write out the fact that their kids have been kidnapped a million times. Like if anyone can save the, our, the uh, kidnapped kid, it's us. <laughs> our yeah. kids have trauma. <laughs> so Justin, uh, knowing that Corey is dark side user, do you think that he will try to turn your kids to dark side? My kids are already cooler than Corey, so I don't think he's gonna have very much influence over them. Okay, that's uh, that's Corey's now uh, villain origin story. Okay, so to get people to join the dark side, you have to be cooler than them so you can influence them, which means that. Does that just mean being on the dark side is inherently cooler, or the people who go to the dark side have to be less cool? Because... You gotta be charismatic, and you gotta have like some reason people want to be around you. And Corey, I'm just, I'm sorry, <laughs> I'm joking, I'm joking. 
No, so, I wouldn't let my kids spend that much time with uh, with someone who likes Star Wars as much as Corey, and it's not me. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't want have, him to start. We have cool Jedi's in in the story, like like Chip Dylan. Is he is he cool? Chip is not he's cool. cool Chip but he's not. thinks he's cool. He's, he's cool in the kind of anymore. way that like a thirty year old guy like is hitting on the same high schoolers year after year, and like yeah. he thinks he's cool because he's like manipulating emotionally vulnerable one. people. Yeah, I'm the I'm the coolest kid at this high school. You're thirty five. <laughs> fellow kids yeah uh anything else from the book or you guys want to give uh an arbitrary and reductive rating before we say good night so can you guys give me a benchmark i haven't watched the last few episodes of your podcast uh mm-hmm. what did you guys give to let me tell you the, you have the sheet open yeah. Corey? so okay. i'll give you our ratings from vector prime <laughs> through till now so nice. We'll give it. A, we're at the midpoint. I think it's a good time for for a rundown. Yeah. Four is a B, right? I need to give. My... Is this ten? Is this book ten? This is book nine. Okay, so there's ten left. I think it, it might be. It might be ten or later. Do you guys feel like this series are too long? No. No. No, I think it's fine. I feel I, like yeah, it kind it's... of sags uh, in the later parts. It's kind of like meanders. I think that's fair. I mean, we'll get there. Yeah. I think it breaks up enough stuff into different subplots. Especially as a Force Heretic, uh, it kind of like meanders. Kind yeah, of weird Force Heretic is works right at the end. Yeah. Uh, but let's see. So for that, so for Vector Prime, we both gave it a B. Um, for Dark Tide Onslaught. Uh, Justin gave it an A. I gave it a B. For Dark Tide hmm. Ruin, we both gave it a C. For Agents of Chaos, one, we both gave it a C. For Agents of Chaos, two, we both gave a C it is a average, B. by the way. Yeah, a C is an average point. For uh, Jedi Eclipse, we both gave it a B. For Balance Point. Uh, Justin gave it a D. I gave it a C. For Edge of Victory Conquest, we both gave it an A. For Edge of Victory Rebirth, Justin gave it a C. I gave it a B. So, and just to kind of explain, we're not the we're not like an IGN where a five out of ten or a C (laughs) is awful. A C is is should be the average point. Yeah. A B well, if, is good. If the game is running, it's 70, right? Immediately 70. Yeah, exactly. An A is very good, and an S is like, you know, your favorite. And then a, a, a D, or no, yeah, a D would be below average, and then an F is very bad. So yeah. since you guys didn't read my opinion on Vector Prime, I think, like, you don't care, but I feel like <laughs> this is a... I feel like Vector Prime was B plus for me. Mm-hmm. This is B. Okay. Okay. Corey? It's fair. Uh, I struggle with this one a bit because it is important to me, like, just nostalgically because it is one of my first Star Wars books. And, like, I went in not knowing who any of the characters were, so I didn't know which of the Jedi that were, like, clear red shirts looking back were actually red shirts. I was like, oh, my God, they killed Ulaha Kor? 
that's that's amazing <laughs> but little did i know she didn't exist before basically she got mentioned like once but i think there's some elements that it does really well there's some other elements that i think uh indicate problems that i'd have with star wars going forward though too and with troy denning's writing going forward but with the emotional impact of like how all the characters handle the the grief with anakin and all that i think i'm gonna give it uh an a yeah for me it's tough because the moments i like i really like i like the but the writing takes it down for me to a B. I want to give it an A because uh, there's parts I really like, but I find it's way too long. It's a little sloppy, so it's going to be a B. Well, I now I... learned that Ulaha Kord was a beat. Okay. <laughs> that's okay. Yeah, that's why yeah. She, she goes out to an epic solo. Okay. Oh, my you know what? I, I think I'm going to go B. Maybe... Maybe in our next re-ranking, I'll raise it up or maybe even drop it down. But I think I'm letting nostalgia influence too much, which I, I didn't do with the other books. Uh, and I think it's... There's enough weaknesses here that I don't think it's quite as good as some of the other A's we have looking at them. Yeah, okay. Do you guys think that Timothy Zahn and uh, Toy Denning are the same person? No. No? I think they've got okay. some similar outlooks on some things. Have you seen them in the same room? Yes. Okay. Yeah, uh, definitely. Oh, yeah. Timothy Zahn's a much better writer than Troy Denning. <laughs> okay, that's not that Troy Denning is bad. Yeah, I, I like. I yeah, really Timothy like. Timothy Zahn is better. Yeah, that's true. But like in terms of the outlook on the life, I guess. Not I think there's a lot of similarities there. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I depends on the issue, but there, there's like some specifics that differ. But I think. They'd broadly agree. Timothy Zahn's quite different about the Force. If you read the Thrawn duology, it's very different than what we get in... Okay. Yeah. Luke basically turns his... He, he, shuts, her, he shuts her down. <laughs> he goes, I'm shutting her down. <laughs> he stops using the Force. He goes, Mara. She's like, what? She goes, I'm shutting her down. <laughs> He's like, all right. Hey, Leia. Yeah? Shutting her down, bud. <laughs> all right, Luke. Shutting her down. Right. Uh, two more examples. Hey, uh, Kip. You know, <laughs> Kip's like, yeah. He's like, Kip's like, you want to come out and uh, play force football today? He goes, nope, shutting her down. They call it in Star Wars, you know how we call it, like throwing around the pigskin in Star Wars, that's called throwing around the foreskin. <laughs> yeah. Corin's oh, like, Corin's like, hey, Luke, do you want to come join? Do you want to join this uh, Starfighter squadron I made up? Only force sensitives. Looks like nobody's shutting her down. Sorry. <laughs> I wasn't sure who you'd go for number six there. I'm glad you went with Corin. Uh, yeah, I, I think that's going to do it with for... Talon card. <laughs> is he a noted force user? No, but is is going to be... Hey, Luke, I need your help uh, deciphering this ancient Jedi thing that's only activated with the force. Sorry, buddy. Shut her down a few minutes ago. <laughs> <laughs> Timothy Zahn can't tell Talon card to do anything because Timothy Zahn is Talon card. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's his self-insert. I know yeah. Elkin thinks it's Troy Denning, but uh, it, it's I kind of don't card. understand what is the goal of Talon Card is. To be honest, it's to be Timothy's on in universe, I, so know okay. everything. I understand that he didn't want to be a black guy, but uh, like Lando he plays the same role more or less, right? In a lot of ways, yeah. A lot of the smugglers end up being 
just like the same person and knowing way too much. Is there too much too many smiles in Star Wars universe? Like, yeah, uh, well, not after the NJO kills so many of them. Yeah, well, yeah, but like, uh, New Republic is uh, what like thirty years old at this point, like twenty something years old. No, not uh, yeah, twenty. Yeah, twenty. Yeah. Uh, so them keeping so many, and I know that it's uh becomes a bigger thing in uh, Jason uh, series later on, mm-hmm. uh, but like. Do you expect like a real government to keep so many smugglers around and like dealing with them all the time? It said that for me, it's a bit of a. Um, I guess they are good uh, narrative tool to use when you need some kind of like covert action. Everyone uh, likes but, a scrappy little outlaw. Yeah, but like for the public, uh, someone like uh, what's her name, Belinda Kalendi, I think her name mm-hmm. is. Yeah. I want like that name drop in this book. Yeah, uh, uh, she makes more sense in terms of like when you need to do some something covered or something uh, underhanded, something from black book, I guess. Smugglers kind of have different roles. Like a lot of the time, the smugglers are just moving goods. Like that's when they're looking for smugglers at the beginning of the Thrawn trilogy. It's just for moving goods. Um, what would you be smuggling if you were in Star Wars Galaxy? Good vibes. Um. Okay, that's probably Funko Pops. I can't see how they'd have those be legal, because like we see <laughs> the only version of that we see is in Dark Nest, and they take a very strong anti Funko Pop stance, as like they were trying to smuggle all the little Killicks into the New Republic with them. It was like the little busts of the Millennium Falcon or Han or like Rebellion era heroes. Yeah. And I, I think that was a, a thinly veiled Funko Pop attack. So I would, I, I think I would rather do co- cocaine or uh, start, uh, <laughs> or start like uh, Warhammer armies and buying one, uh, one Funko Pop because if I buy one, it will be like stacks upon stacks. I know yeah. what's, what's going to happen. So my cousin, uh, my cousin did like thrifting and then he ended up. He set up his house as a store, so he would go to like Value Village and stuff, buy everything, and then take it to his house and set it up as a storefront there. So he had this cabinet that was just like miles and miles of Funko Pops that he didn't even want in the first place. He just wanted to resell. It's mm-hmm. ridiculous. It's like a addiction. I, I have been seen people with like hundreds of them. It's what are you doing? And it's usually men, obviously. <laughs> All right. Well, Funko Pops have been lambasted for the final time on Tap Calf transmissions until we get to Darkness. But I think Corey's uh, curtain is there to hide his Funko Pops, actually. Is that true? Uh, I can neither confirm nor deny. <laughs> okay. But all three of us will be joined by Charlie for some. Uh, for some fun gaming action. Are really? Should we? Okay. <laughs> He's in the chat. He's in the chat. Uh, we'll be playing some Mario Kart. We'll be playing some maybe Fall Guys or Fortnite after that. That'll be on youtube.com slash ECKSTOO as well as twitch.tv slash Corey Loses. Next week, Eck and I will be back talking about Andor episodes five and six with our weird split up of the. Uh, no, it was six and seven. Or sorry, yeah, six and seven. Uh, then week after that is probably whatever the next NJO book is, which I forget. Dark Journey, probably. I think it's Dark Journey. 
But uh, thank you, Elkin, for joining us, coming back for Unifying Force as well. We're locking yeah. you in now. <laughs> we'll figure out a better date for that. Uh, it's just a wall of Coke cans. I, that's My desk sometimes looks like that. But yeah, it's thank fun. you for listening, everyone. <laughs>